2: There's a level of reality where
1: everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity.
2: That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Let's fuck this chicken.
1: Michael Cameron, welcome to the show, man. I am so (laughs) excited to speak with you about your book, High Strangeness, Lifetime of Alien and Paranormal Encounters, which is a flying disc press jam. We love them, and we, um, Philip Mantle represent. Also forward by, um, Paul Sinclair, which is cool as shit. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so you have a fascinating story, my friend. I cannot wait to introduce you to the audience here. We're talking about, um hooded figures in the house, missing time, men in black, out-of-body experiences, UFO activity, and some understandable trust issues, my friend, which we are going to talk all about. So uh, before we get any further, I suppose I just might as well let you and the audience know that your book and all the ways to find you are going to be located down in the show description. My friend, how are you, dude?
2: I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Um, Okay, well... Let, let's just begin at the beginning. So tell us about your story, man, because you've got a fascinating and interesting and wild and uh, in some ways horrific uh, story. So where would you like to begin?
2: Um, from the beginning, I guess. Um, I was born and raised in the, in the east end of London. Um, to I was born um, to a strict Roman Catholic family. Um, you know I was brought up as a Roman Catholic was brought up and educated by nuns and priests um, a little bit of a you know quite difficult being the person I am um, and being you know and being in the a camp of um you know quite strict Roman Catholic priests and nuns um, but i was um, I was raised in the 1970s in London um, and you know, when I was born, I was I was um, born premature. I was in hospital quite a long time, an unexpected child. Um, and I was I actually grew up in a in the grounds of a school. And it the, my book it um, focuses primarily on this particular house, my childhood home, and in the grounds of the school, um, and then just in the immediate area. So it focuses on my childhood and early teenage years. Um, probably 16, up to 16, 17 years old. Um, and, you know, the house that I was brought up in was it, when I was a child or when I was a baby, should we say, um, from some of the experiences that was occurring to me at the time were become more apparent later on when I was growing up. You know, so my family um, shared some of the experiences with me when I was at a particular age, you know, and they were told me that when I, Come back from the hospital, the, the atmosphere in the house began to change, um, so there was a lot of poltergeist activity uh, in the house where previously before it was was none. Um, so there was you know disembodied voices talking to my mum when she was in the house alone, calling her name, and you know when she looked to there was nobody about um, my brothers I got three brothers, Francis, Kevin, and Sean. Sean's two years older than me, um, and Francis and Kevin are quite a lot uh, older than me and Sean. Um, And, you know, um, Francis was, you know, in bed one day, and we had a a large oak wooden wardrobe, you know, um, pushed on top of him whilst he was in bed. And it was quite heavy. Yeah, it would take probably two people to push it over when it's full up. Um, or one angry ass
1: ghost, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't injured. He was just shocked, you know? Um, and Kevin at one time was coming up the staircase and something pushed past him and pushed him down the stairs. Um, so, you know, the activity in the house was, first of all, it was mild before that, but then it started to get in a little bit more dangerous, more sinister. You know, somebody could, you know, possibly be hurt. Um, and, you know, I'm not in the house itself. The walls in the house they were solid. You know, and in the nighttime there was this constant banging on the walls, and it's like an echo. You know, like a stereo surround system. It sounded like, you know, and it was a bang, 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 and it was echoing rather, because the walls in the house were solid. So if you were to just knock them with your fist, it would just create a thud. You know, like a hardly any sound at all. You know. Um, But these were echoing. And my dad used to get up in the middle of the night, (laughs) every night, go downstairs and search for, you know, in in his head, you know, I guess trying to reason it in your left brain, the logic is that there's somebody, could be possibly somebody in the house, you know, but there was never nobody there, Um, you know. And it was only one time when he basically swore, you know, shouted out and swore that um, the sound stopped. You know, it was only, it was... It was, it was a little while after that, that my parents then sought um, help from the church. My dad had a lot of friends, you see, in the church. He was a schoolkeeper, you know, he looked after the school, but he wasn't an ordinary schoolkeeper, I don't think. You know, he had a lot of friends in high places, in the police and in the military. He knew people at the Vatican, you know, high up um, you know, people in the church. Um, he was also, you know, um, he was a Freemason, um, a grand knight, Freemason. Um, and, um, but you know, so somebody came into the house anyway, a priest and he walked through the house. And as far as I know, he blessed the house. And a little while after that, the activity began to, you know, die away really. But when I was a, when I was a baby, my parents told me that when I was a, uh, in my cot, they did see some glowing type beings looking down at at me in my cot. And there was also, you know, I guess what would be called, you know, orbs of light floating around where my cot was and moving in and out of the wall. So or going through the windows. And they didn't really know what it was. Um you know, and I remember my brothers later on in life telling me the same stuff, you know, oh, you know, when you were a baby where there was all this strange activity around you. So that's pretty much what was happening around that time. That's wild,
1: brother. But, uh, let me ask you before we ke- before we go any further here. So, your dad was the one that was the Freemason and had all of. Okay, so with your dad's activities, was he ever in the military or anything like that?
2: During World War Two, yeah, he was a, a flight engineer uh, on board the um, planes. He um, he actually was. Um, when I was doing research into him, he was he was actually. Uh, trained on the Ereford site, which is the SAS site now for the Special Forces. At one time, it was owned by the Rothschild family, this particular location. Um, he and yeah, he, I mean, my mum, she was, she built Lancaster bombers during World War Two in the munitions factories, but she was very, very intelligent. So, you know, she was um, uh, promoted to the offices where the men were. You know, now it's not a big deal but during them times it was a big deal to be promoted off the shop floor to go into the offices and work alongside where the men were yeah um but, but, you know
1: so do you think that uh whatever your dad was up to maybe that there's a bigger story there that maybe that has something to do with your the activity that you've experienced in any way connected
2: yeah i mean you know it's speculated by a lot of people that that's probably the case my my family were very secretive um he, but you know during those times it, what, there was a lot of families after the war that were secretive but I, I think there was a more going on you know that i didn't see
1: and we're not talking shit here i'm just curious because there's a lot of military families who like let's say uh all the laurel canyon idea of um The the CIA infiltration into the music and that that it was actually a counterculture Mm -hmm. insertion from the CIA So also military parents though had everything to do with those kids So all of their like the door Jim uh, Jim Morrison's dad was in CIA all the stuff So you you look at that kind of stuff and you just think that the parents are Usually in the military some sort of special programs or something like that and something wild and extreme happens to the children So I'm just curious if you've correlated maybe or thought about um, Not that it's the sole Portion of it, but that maybe your dad like <laughs> volunteered you for something, you know, um, at a level of like sort of all of his family is volunteer because he's a company man and he's in the process. And again, we're not talking shit here. Uh, is he still kicking about? Is he still around?
2: No, no, he he passed when I was fifteen.
1: Do you mind if I ask how?
2: He had a massive heart attack. Hmm. Um, we argued on the night before he died, and then uh, when I woke up, he was dead.
1: I don't think you had anything to do with that. Do you think you had anything to do with that?
2: At the time I did. Yeah. It took me a long while to. I'm okay about it now, but it took a long while for me to understand that it it wasn't me that caused his death. You know, I think he was just highly stressed. He actually given up smoking, um, a little while before that. He had been smoking since he was seven years old, eight years old. (laughs) He smoked a hundred a day.
1: It can be you know? traumatic to the body, you know, if you just stop all that stuff, uh, like stopping drinking yeah. all of a sudden if uh, you've done it for decades.
2: And he, he did, he gave up on the dime, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. rather, rather than do it in a slow process, he, he just done it like that. But I think, you know, it probably took its toll on him. He You know, he wasn't very old. Man, he, was I'm only just, in his, he was only I, in his 50s.
1: Well, and just simply because of the military and the Masonic component to this, brother. Plus, I mean, the, the all of this showed up in the house. That's wide So, what's the history of the house? I mean, we're going to get so far into this, but what do you have any uh, history on the house itself? Is it the grounds?
2: Yeah, when I was doing uh, research into it, I didn't know then. Back then, um, but when I was doing research into the, there, there is quite a, a big history around this. I mean, in the area where I grew up as well, it was it was bombed a lot it was during the blitz so this area of london was basically dust so in this particular area of where the school grounds was and the location of my house it was um it was actually on the site of a lepers burial ground from roman times it was on the and my house was on the this the, the cemetery where they put lepers outside of the city jesus they had and they died so in that spot that location of the plot of land where my house was the cemetery was underneath that
1: i am curious to see who knew that before you bought the house or before your family moved in how long had your family lived in that house was it like a passed down from generation to generation thing
2: no 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 it was actually a new site there was a my dad worked in a school belonging to the roman catholic church just up the road which was the old school and i i would imagine that's got a, a quite a good history to it you know strange history
0: sure
2: um but then in 1970 they built just say 68 but they opened the school in 1970 this location so it was built at the time there was nothing on there it it, it was just um you know just a a ground empty ground but it does go back it goes back it's got an history that goes back uh, quite a few centuries you know so if you look under the layers and layers of that site and the activity, the residue energy of that site, it's going to be quite a lot of blood yeah, shed. Yeah, I mean
1: um, plus the uh, leper, you know, I'm thinking of how horrible it was in the back of the day how people fucking used to be buried with um, bells attached to them and I don't think they figured this right. out in Roman times no. and the reason was because they started chucking people in the ground that were just passed out or sleeping and they thought they were dead so they'd bury these motherfuckers but they needed to attach a bell to them so that they could ring sure. it to say, hey, dig me out. Terrifying. I think that's it's fucking terrifying, man. So then you think about maybe not all the lepers that were tossed in the ground were necessarily done yet. And then you think of like some horrible shit happening there, plus a bombing, which is already traumatic. It's trauma, trauma trauma on that land alone. but sure. then also um maybe even before that, there's there's this um theory about these resets that occur here, or at least that time is different in history is absolutely different than what that they're telling us. And to this component, there could be sort of um, something much grander that was there before, because something that's said about the World Wars, one of the thesis um is, is that they're just carpet bombing everything to destroy the old ways of things, and the old world, right? So maybe sure, there was yeah. some super dope temples or some amazing stuff there that they just sort of wiped out with a reset, uh, with what World War II was, and all the bombings and everything like that, because they were just leveling shit. So again, a lot of trauma occurred in the area, your dad's involvement, not only the Masonic order, but also the military and some deep shit. Um, the sites that he was working on, I think it's, I think it's very interesting, man. Now, um, we're going to stop talking about your dad. I want to get back to your story, but I, I am just curious if you'd ever considered it and, you know, the land itself and even the school. So, uh, in fact, moving on with your story here, tell us about the school.
2: Yeah, the, you know, the school is where I I went to is a, a junior school for boys and girls. Roman Catholic boys and girls, um, and you know, but um, there was there was you know events that happened in the school itself as well. And in I knew the school grounds well, you know, I knew it like the back of my hand. Um, I used to spend a lot of time in the grounds of the school. Um, but um, what I was going to say to you is that in the large school pre- playground itself. I learned recently um, from an outside source that there, is actually, there was, as a child, an active stargate opened up underneath the ground of that school. What?
1: Like in a cavern mm. or something? A man-made cavern? A cavern? What are we talking about here?
2: It was, uh, you know, on a, on a spiritual level, it was a, a, an active stargate that had, was opened up and it was active. And when I was a child, um, I'm not sure if it still is now, but I was told recently outside of the body that, that um, in the in the grounds of the school, there was a large playground and a smaller one. It was in the larger one underneath. You know, etherically, spiritually, you know, astrally, there was a, an active one. And uh, you know, um, I was told as well that <laughs> when I come back here, I actually, I actually come here to close that on a spiritual yes. level.
1: So spiritual stargates under playgrounds, uh, disgusting. What is, what is the point of that, if you don't mind?
2: I would say I'm, I'm wondering, though, you know, um, if in some way, due to the bombings and the, the, you know, the activity, if in some ways it breaks, something breaks through, through all that um, violence, it, it creates a crack almost like in a mirror opening up, you know, like a portal or a doorway, for other you know other species to come through uh, you and know then you plop possible. a playground
1: on top of it so that these young kids are exposed and maybe this is where kids are picking up their um invisible friends from you know what i mean is these playgrounds stargate horrible portals that then they're taking them home with them sort of like whatever it was followed you home wow this is so, wild dude i mean how sick and fucked up like it's it's just weird uh, go ahead, please. It's just weird, Michael.
2: <laughs> it is. It's strange, you know. But you know, when if anything's done, you know, um, intentionally, you know that you have to, you know, have to understand what's going through their heads when they're doing that. You know, it's like a psychops, you know, um, program to, uh, you know, to, to um, dismantle the energy, I guess.
1: Yeah, so how did, how did you recognize it and clear it out?
2: At the time, I didn't as a child. I mean, you know, or as a teenager, I didn't know it was there. Um, I, I know there was probably um, gates, doorways opened in my house from where, you know, these beings were able to enter. Um, but for the stargate, I, d- I didn't understand about that until much later. Very recently, I've actually become aware of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know.
1: Have you been able to go by and lock that bitch up yet?
2: Um, I've been told I have. I, okay. I have no awareness of that, but I've been the, the individuals that have told me that are well high placed outside, should we say, the body. Um, but they they did say yeah, I have, but not as I didn't do it as a child. Um.
1: Tell us about your out-of-body experiences. Um, First of all, what's that like? I haven't really, I mean, I had one, but it was a DMT-induced. So that was sort of a bilocating thing, but I didn't feel like I was a body. It was really weird. But what is out-of-body experiences like for you and how, when did they start?
2: I've always been able to do, move outside of my body quite easily. Um, As a child, I've been told I never entered my body completely until I was 13 years old
1: sort of like an autopilot that was just being indoctrinated within the system and then like set up to survive here and then your soul hopped in.
2: No, no, no. I was um I was here, but I was out of the body quite a lot. It wasn't my my spiritual body, I've been told is bigger than my physical body. Um the reason being is because I've been identified in one of my lifetimes as one of the original giants from ancient Greece. Cool. So my body my spirit body as I've been told is bigger than the physical body. I mean, now the the, the container. So I've often felt, uh, that I've always been leaning sort of, you know, and they said, it's true because my energetic body is bigger than this huge body. And they said that during, uh, ancient, ancient Greece, I was one of the, one of the original giants, um. And when I'm outside of the body, there is actually a, a giant that I come into contact with who I, I um, spent a lifetime with, who is a friend. And he knows me as somebody who shared that life with him. Um, so because of this reason, they explained to me that when I was a, up until the age of 13, I was always outside of the body because it wouldn't fit inside this body. Whoa, so in, at the age that? of 13... So at the age of thirteen, they were able to seal me into this body so that I wasn't slipping in and out all the time. So so to speak.
1: Where were you when you weren't in your body because you couldn't fit in it? And what was driving it while you weren't able to fit in it?
2: I don't know about that part, but I do know I was outside I was often in the you know, what you would human beings would consider to be hell, the lower, the very lowest parts of the astral realms. Where often the darker souls exist, and uh, apparently when, when I you know when I've, I've been there as an adult as well, but I, I used to do soul rescue work, so I would go there and rescue souls that were coming closer to becoming aware that they've actually done things wrong, and that they're not. They're not in prison. they put themselves there through their own energy, you know so their energy is, is attracted to this place. He pulls them there, you know. People say that you know, religious people think that you know, God, whatever you want to call this particular being, is punishing you, and that there's no punishment. Your your energy pushes you to where you need to be. So you're 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 basically like Plato's cave. You know, you think you're a prisoner, and you're not really a prisoner. Your energy creates creates the circumstances that trap you there you know you you can leave at any time but it's it's just that mindset you know understanding that you've done something wrong and and looking into you know looking for forgiveness and to you know to own it and it's not a, it's not a process where you will leave straight away it's you you will leave gradually because you you won't be able to move higher than where you are because it's an end of, it's a it's a graduation it's a, a gradual step a baby step So when, what we would do is we'd work with archangels who were there and we would go in basically and speak to these souls to make them, you know, some of them are not even aware of why they're there. They just lost that, you know, understanding, but we would move them closer and closer to what would be, you know, the light to a higher, a higher plane of existence, you know, we would then hand them across to archangel energies who would then take them to the next level. So as a child, I would seem to be in this particular realm quite a lot. Doing this type of work. And as a, a teenager and as a young adult, I've, I, I'm not doing it now. I've finished it. I've finished that work doing that. Uh, one time I was, contracted to do that
1: from a perspective I've recently had Hattie Mikowski on and I know guys you're gonna hear his name for a little while he's uh, rang a bell his perspective is rang a bell and <clears throat> that name just sums up sort of what I'm about to talk about so from a perspective what what are your thoughts on that um, the entities connecting with you and anybody in any respect uh, no matter what they are are just Let's say the same thing maybe our cons or Mud shadows as Castaneda called it like this one thing that can turn into your Adversary, right? It, it knows you so well that it knows exactly how to tailor an experience to get it to do what you want And what it wants from you is your loose your energy, right? So it's an it's an exchange of sorts It gives you an experience. Which is not necessarily always a good one which pays out well for the entity but the point is is that when listening to your story I filtered through many uh, perspectives I have no beliefs on this place I have no idea what the fuck's going on but from the one I'm one uh, off a book I just freshly read is uh, that what occurred is and just curious about your thoughts on this that when you were a child this place is like hell okay it's not necessarily the levels of hell down there where you were where you were shown or taken which I've got a point about in a minute but it's it's a hell in a sense it's a hell in the sense that you are abducted if you you know you have a you have a myriad of experiences here that may could conf- may uh, pretty much confirm what i'm talking about here but you have a myriad of things here that you can't control there's a lot of things outside of the idea that it's a school because of the lack of memory retention from one life to another which would be very useful if i knew how to like sword fight really dope right now like that'd be cool <laughs> right but i don't maybe from my samurai days but the point is is that um from that perspective, what someone may interpret from your story is, is that this is a a soul trap bound area. And what was occurring was is that you were tricked as a child to help souls that were possibly escaping, maybe got out in a void and were just out of the matrix and didn't want to get in the soul trap and you invited them back in somehow, right? Not, Not maliciously and you had no fucking clue what you were doing. This is again just the idea. It goes in, you're now ushering these souls back in from a child's body, by the way, which is pretty fucked up that they use kids. And then now they can jam you back into the body you were forced to come back in here and live in as this vessel of a bigger being. They needed to shove you down smaller to contain you into this prison, right? It's it, Which will mean that you're always this Alice in, a, in the house, but the house won't break. You know what I'm saying? As you eat that thing that says eat me and you grow huge and that roof is supposed to pop off, but it doesn't. So it's like this confinement, literally within your body of your energetic body, but also you were ushering these folks in as a mean, like as a more fucked up way of spending your time before you were jammed into your own prison. You were helping out others be enslaved as well, is the idea. I'm not saying you did it. And then um that's what this place is, like this soul trap reincarnation. Thing and the light is actually like it ties to the moon, but not necessarily has to, but it's the mechanism of which souls are captured and then reintroduced into this reality via. Trickery via fuckery, really. It's not. It's not altruistic at all. And then the arc in archons is really uh, arc in archangel rather means archons. So then, therefore, it would be this trickster entity that makes you feel like what you're doing is awesome and altruistic, but really, it's like this thing that's feeding off of your energy. Because if you're putting out bad energy, it's loving that from you. What, what are your thoughts on that? The, that perspective that as a child you were sort of used and then now shoved into this prison that is this body because you were this badass giant thing.
2: Yeah, I know where you're coming from with that. And, you know, th- there is some you know, truth in that in regards to the reincarnation process. The earth that you're on now is not the true earth anyway. You, the humans don't come from this planet anyway. This, is, uh, this planet was created by artificial intelligence, as I've as I've been told recently, and every single planet in the solar system are information centers that the uh, ET energies like the greys or reptilians use against to create the uh, matrix here. Um, like to a keep filter. Humans,
1: like the saturn to moon keep matrix? Humans,
2: yeah. Yeah, to keep, but the, the, there, is a, there is a place on the outside of this universe where there is a, um, a location where human beings were first seeded. When they were on this location, when they were in this location, they were actually like, you know, what and in the MyLab communities called super soldiers, they had, uh, they were co- they were connected to source. They had their energies like you were just talking about the, you know, for the reincarnation process, why we lose these memories, why we don't have these memories of these other lifetimes and, and in particular our skill sets, you know, why do we have this, you know, this, um, part of ourselves where we know we've done certain things, but we can't do them here. So we, we were, we were in this particular location. I can only say from what I've been told, it's on the outer regions of this universe. It is, it's still there now. It's off bounds that all life streams, whether you're positive or negative, you're not allowed there unless you're, um, Escorted there by somebody, uh, what would be considered to be an ascended master or uh, an archangel, or or one of the you know higher dimensional beings. You, you know, it's off bounds. But what I do know is is that when when the souls were seated there, they had their, all of their abilities. Something happened that created. There was a, a you know I think it was from a war perhaps. And those that won that war, they then moved these human beings, superhuman beings, off of this world and they moved them to this world. And, uh, you know, that you've had this reincarnational process ever since, where you're basically reincarnated and recycled back into this matrix. Um, and everything that's happened, you know, in the ancient past is. is, is, is Playing itself out now in this time zone. Um, I have a. I'm being given an opportunity to go to this location under escort, of course. um, To to. um, I'm not sure for what reason. um, I'm hoping to be doing that next year.
1: Physically, they're going to take you, or is it an astral body thing?
2: No, it'd be outside the body. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Okay,
1: well, be careful. Um, and when you go, will you report back to us and tell us? I have a few questions, actually, before you go. So when they let you know when you're going, will you check back with me and let me scribble I a couple do, questions yeah. on a napkin and send them to you?
2: Yeah, I don't know why why I'll be going there. But, um, you know, I don't have to go. It, it's a choice. I can go. Um,
1: what do you this... expect
2: to find there? <laughs> I don't know, to be fair. I don't know. Um, and they told I'm, you anything pretty... about it
1: more than that?
2: No, no. they just tell they just me that it's, you know, um, it, I just know it's a place where human beings existed at one time. The original seedings were not on this planet. You know, it, it might come to a shock to people, but I think they'll find out at some point that this planet is not the original home. It's just been told throughout the centuries that it is.
1: I think a lot of us feel that way. So we're stuck in this matrix thing. It is a soul reincarnation trap. How do you, how do you break it? Or do we want to break it? Like, what's the, what are you being told about that? That it's a, is it a good thing that we're here? Are we really fucking here to learn lessons? And do you trust what you're, I don't know, being told by these things?
2: You know what? I, I, one time I used to think that, you know, that we're here to learn lessons. I don't believe that no more. I don't, I don't think, I don't think the school of learning, you know, um, hypothesis is the one that is true. I think it's one that's too, you know, it wants you to make you feel like you're here for that reason. And, you know, I don't think that now.
1: Learning I think is inevitable. It's, I think it's, it's the memory wife that I thunk. think.
2: Yeah. I think, I think it's a charade. you know, I think it's a Um to enable us to feel good about being here. So to speak, but I don't think it, I don't think that's the reality really.
1: Yeah. lately I don't disagree. I think
2: there's, you know, no, no, I, th- I think there's a lot more people thinking that now, you know, that they, you know, about the, even with the reincarnational process, do we really need it? Is it something really, we really need? You know, I'm not so sure.
1: Which could be, I guess, a level of ascension in itself, right? You figure out that, yes, you can come back here, do all this shit, but the way that it's structured may be not appealing for your growth anymore. And maybe you literally have outgrown the way that you grow here. You know what I mean?
2: I don't think many people, I don't think many people will, you know, you know, you have the movement of the ascension movement. I don't think you're going to find that's going to go that way for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the, more of a metaphor. The, there
2: are, well, there's, there's a process where you can move yourself from the earth completely. Um, and, and you, you, where you don't need to come back here, but it's just, it's a long process. It's an alchemical process, um, what you can achieve, but not many people achieve it because it's quite hard to do. Um, it's, um, it might come to a shock to most people to understand that, from my experiences and interactions with archangel type beings, they don't want you to have disclosure in regards to, you know, the big disclosure with UFOs at this moment. Because in the UFO community, you have to ask yourself the question, who is that disclosure for? Is it for humanity or is it for the people that have been pissed off over the years by members of their family or friends or associates who have ridiculed them over the facts or point that the people or occupants in these craft are, are extraterrestrial or extra-dimensional beings? You know, I've spoken to quite a few people in the ufology world. You know, that have had these sightings and experiences, and they tell me, this, they tell me that. You know, that's probably one of the biggest reasons they want disclosure to give the, fun, the you know, the finger basically to those people that laughed at them. You know, but the the archangels have told me that when I've come into contact with these outside of the body, that they don't want to have human. They don't want humanity to have disclosure just yet because they're not ready for it, it, will, it for, the, for the majority of people outside of these communities, they won't be able to take it. For anyone who thinks it won't have an impact on society and on the world, you will be wrong. It will, it will have a, a huge impact on the social condition of all human beings that don't have the experiences that we have. It will, it will create a lot of problems in the world you know, for, for, for the UFO community, it'll be great, you know, because, you know, that's what you've always wanted, but, um, for the rest of the world that don't give a a damn about, you know, the UFO subjects or spiritual subjects, it will have the greatest impact. And it will cause problems. It will cause problems. You know, anyone, anyone who knows about anything like that, it will tell you the same as I am. It will cause problems, you know, but, it's, you know, but then you have to think, are they saying that because they, they do believe that or are they saying it for another reason, a more sinister reason? What it's do you always think?
1: the question. It's always what the you, question. What do you think? I think that there's a sinister angle to this. Absolutely. I think you can tell by the way that it's being framed in whatever they're calling disclosure is, is by the fact that they have military presence that are the ones presenting the information as if they're the authority on it. And they're not. Uh, they're one percent of. I feel what's maybe observed that's going on that that can really do something about it. And whatever they are telling you, if they do know way more than that, is not going to ever come out. I I don't think so. I don't I don't think that there's a game here that's meant to be won. I think there's a game here that's meant to be played. And this is just another way of playing the game. And in all regards, it's just, hey, look over here, look at this. We're going to give you something that you've been wanting for a while, but it's divisive as ever. And there's so many levels to this place and how the game is played. And again, I, I think this—it's um, all fuckery, to be honest with you. I, I think it's I all mean, fuckery.
2: The thing is, though, you know, you often hear, you know, not in the in in our communities, you know, you often get people, you know, they're very passionate about it, and. You know, they're, they're telling people. You know, they're talking about the general public who are outside of our communities to wake up. Wake up, you know. I'm not one and, of those, and, though. I don't no, care
1: no, if people wake up or
2: not. No, no, no. But I'm going to just explain, though, what I mean, though, to you. I'm, I'm not either. But you right, know, right. It's um, you know, we're on the same page here. But it's um, what I'm trying to explain is, is they want these people to wake up. But don't worry about them waking up. Most of the time, you're never going to get them to wake up. Unless they have experiences, and even if they have experiences, you know, it's an individual thing. Just just work on yourself. Work on yourself in your life. Work on yourself spiritually, because it's through that spiritual source of energy that we will be we will break free from these chains. It will, you know, that's the way out.
1: How do you trust the sources of spiritual information you get, though? Because I've gone down a lot of rabbit holes with this, and I don't trust any of it. So, and I've got an inner compass and an inner Light that's awesome and I and it works great but I've still got deep questions that I'd like some feedback on that I'm not you know getting in the form of answers I'd like
2: It's you know that that's a really good you know really good question I think it's one that we all ask ourselves really you know what do we trust how do we trust it you know we've got so many so much technology now that is you know which can create false realities, you know, it's difficult. I think the only way around that really is, is what feels like it's right. You know, if it feels like it's right or if it feels like it's wrong, you have to, you have to trust some part of yourself at some point um, to move through that. Otherwise, you're, you know, where will we be? Yeah. You know, we're always going to be at stalemates, aren't we? I mean, you know, if someone's doing something good or if someone's doing something bad, it's, you know, action speaks louder than words. It's how you feel about it at a time, um, you know, to trust yourself in, in that respect. But it is, it is a really, really good question. And it, I think it's a difficult one to answer, to be honest.
1: Do you think it's answerable?
2: I would I probably, probably is. Uh, you know, it's, and I think that's everyone what pisses would, me off. I think I, everyone, is, is but, a bowl, I, think,
1: but I, do, I don't have access to it either yet or just it's all around me, but I can't perceive it. One of those.
2: I think everyone, you know, it's an individual thing. Everyone will have their own take on it and how they, you know, perceive it. And, you know, if you're, you know, I would say if you're, if you're, if it's an energy that feels right and it's helping people or it's, you know, it, it can't be that bad, can it?
1: Well, but helping people is subjective, right? Um, Bill Gates thinks he's helping people. Um, but allegedly, he was killed in 2013 in Africa because uh, they, he was m- murdering people, and people called him out on his bullshit, and they murdered him and his wife, and then what we have is doubles. Check it out, Kevin Klein's Melinda Gates. It's a lot of fun. So you you have a lot of altruism posed as something that's beneficial for people, but I don't see it as that. And I have way too many questions for anything that's saying, hey, this is for your benefit, but you can't question it. Right. That's bullshit to me or anything that hides its true intentions or presence from me because it thinks that I can't handle the truth kind of a thing. Well, that's another issue I've got. Is it this this subjective sort of curation of information that goes out to what you said about? That people can't handle it and that's what you've been told it's like well we had the Orwell thing in the 30s that told us that as well but that was again a propaganda campaign so you you have misinformation being used as foundation for justification of a bunch of nonsense you see and so whenever we get to those kinds of questions with this shit that's where I've got the trust issues like you man with your experiences you've had you've got Probably just as bad trust issues as I've got with not only this place, but you've got interaction with something that, that you do have tangible, I guess, feelings about, but I don't. And so, therefore, you've gotten a chance to interact with things in a way that I haven't gotten to answer, ask the questions to yet. So, it's just fascinating to me.
2: I think it's good, though, to question all the time, you know, but, you know, if someone says to you, you can't have this, and why can't you? You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, you're intelligent enough to make your own choice whether you can understand it or not.
1: Maybe, but what if the intelligence or the idea of intelligence is actually the issue? Is It's that I'm not asking the right questions, which is in itself maddening, right? Is the idea of asking, throwing so many darts at a dartboard, but none of them being a bullseye or all of them being just slightly being eluded in a different direction because I'm not asking it, phrasing it or have the right energy behind it. It's it's this idea that I've, I've got deep ass questions and I'd love for some goddamn alien to land out here and for me to talk to the thing. <laughs> I would not get on its craft. I don't want to go for some fucking ride. It can do no reiki on me or anything. But I am—I've got questions, dude. And so this is why I say, if you are invited to this fucking place, where uh, way to get on the VIP list, by the way. Um, If if you do get invited to this place, and when they come scoop you up, I've got a list of questions, you know. And I wouldn't mind if you if they came and dropped you off on the way. You guys make some extra time. We don't record it or anything. I'm just for my own edification. You come by, hang out, and let's talk to these fucking things.
2: Yeah, but you know, the thing with that is, am I going to have that awareness of it when I'm going there? I mean, when I come back, will they, you know, will will I still have that awareness? Will they take me there and then come back and (laughs) I don't have the answers? Maybe I can attach a camera to myself. And is even that
1: a bunch of bullshit, right? Is even that a bunch of bullshit? It's, it's just fascinating when um, people are contacted by something so amazing that it's obviously super cool and dope. And again, I don't have a rep frame of reference for this. I have an imagination for what you experience, but not a frame of reference from my own observation. So it's interesting to me when you get contacted by so many cool things, dude, I absolutely want to talk to you about this list of stuff here. Um, but I, I find it fascinating. And if you get the opportunity and they do let you bring some shit back, which again, the dictation of. The curation of the, what you can remember and not, and because it's not useful and because you'll ruin the game is a, a horseshit again, in my mind, in my mind, but that's never because let, I don't experience they it. They never,
2: yet. yeah. They never let you bring anything back anywhere, anytime, you know, it's like, but do you think that it's
1: because the information is so crazy that you can't explain it in this mind? Do you, do you, do you think that that's a possibility?
2: It's possible. And it's just possible. too
1: like what the fuck for this reality, like a dream or something. So it switches off real quick because it make, it's not applicable here.
2: It's possible, but th-
1: then I would say like then what what is what am I learning over there that I can't remember that I also can't remember here. Does that make sense? This yeah. is a weird fucking thing, Michael. <laughs> this is a weird ass place, bro. Okay, I it's am, probably uh, the one
2: of the weirdest places around. To be fair.
1: I it, By uh, this is all I've got to compare it to, so I'm going to agree with you, my friend. But it's fun because folks like you are out here, dude, and we get to hang out and we have to have these badass conversations in a judgment-free <laughs> way. I somehow have worn the same color as you for this, and check the video version in the show description, guys. If y'all want to check that out, um, let's talk about your. Wh- I've got a list here, dude. Hooded figures, missing time, Men in Black. Where would you like to start? Out of those,
2: um, I had. A, I can talk about the. The MIB, the MIB, come through after um, probably two encounters that I had with my brother Sean at the time. Um, this followed it after the two experiences that me and Sean had. Uh, one was with uh, what would you know be known, known as a daylight disc, a typical uh, flying saucer. You know, um, at the time we were playing. Football, soccer, guests in the outside the, the school grounds where we lived, or the schoolhouse, childhood home. We were on the grounds of the school, grass playing football. It was in a, the summer holidays. The school had, had closed, um, and you know we we were kicking the ball around, and Sean then stopped and said, "Why don't we go for a walk around the grounds?" So you know the school was closed. There were, there were clingers there during the day when my dad, who oversees that in the school, to so it closed for six weeks, the school. And I remember it was the summer holidays. And it was a busy working week. So in the um, outside of the school itself, there was lots of warehouses. There was a huge police station there, which is still there to this day, which is one of the biggest in London. Um, and, you know, there was lots of activity. So it was a busy working day. Um, and we went off around where would be the infant's building um, and the, the the school library, the outside of the school library and the huge, you know, the main school gymnasium, the hall. And I remember there was, there's two sort of uh, stair, stone staircases that led up onto a platform, two platforms. Um, and Sean went up onto one of these platforms and I was just below. I was actually kneeling down. I can remember kneeling down. I was playing with fire ants. Red fire ants, just watching them play, you know, watching them moving around. And I remember Sean calling out to me. I'd went back to him, I was kneeling down, I'd went back to him, and I heard him call out my name. And he said, You know, what is that? What is it? You know, and he was pointing up at the sky. So when I looked around and then went up the stairs towards where he was standing, he was looking up, staring up at the sky, which was, you know, clear. It was a sunny day. And there was this object you know, far up in the sky, which was at the time, we couldn't see properly what it was, but it was shiny. It was, um, you know, silver, bright metal, but I think it was, it was, it was shining by, cause I think the sun was, um, you know, shining off of its metal and it was coming closer and closer to us, you know, and at that time, both of us entered into, you know, like an altered state of consciousness, I guess. You know, like what um, the uh, um, investigative researcher um, Jenny Randalls coined the Oz Factor, you know, so um, we entered into this type of uh, bubble, you know, this energetic bubble where everything else around us was, you know, um, vanished. So we were both, me and Sean, just in this, um, you know, in this bubble, I guess, Um,
1: and if you don't mind real quick so do you think that when you go into, because you just blew my mind with this do you think that when you enter the Oz factor you enter the Oz factor as an area bubble rather than the um something overtaking you that's in the area so the way that i visualized it was you walking into a bubble you don't know that you're in but you can see everything outside of you the only difference is it's like an isolation chamber of audio so you can't hear anything but does somebody from the outside not see you because you disappear and could this be the explanation for why people just vanish the fuck out?
2: I think it is. I think there is a lot to what you said in there. Is um, You know, a lot of that's correct, what you so just if said. You've
1: ex- so if you've experienced the Oz effect, chances are you've been inside one of these gravity well bubble type things where basically anything is possible.
2: I think so. I, You know, Jenny Randall explains it. You know, that's why is it, like you said, why is it that some people – could be in a crowd you know you could have 10 people 20 people and out of that 20 people 5 people will only see this phenomena where the rest of the rest of the the rest of these people just don't see it even though they're side by side so what is it that allows these people to see it other than these other people what is it that you know why did, why can they present. see it
1: the presence of anomalous activity the phenomena in some way dogmen uh ufos because it's related mm-hmm. to many types of paranormal and uh ufology sure. and everything like that and it seems that maybe that is it, it's it can be like shot at you almost like a tractor beam do you think that's possible like it can bi locate that type of environment to include you from a distance does that make sense
2: i think i think it can yeah that's good that's a good um you know
1: because then maybe this would be what establishes the telepathy across the distances that people experience in craft that are flying by. We've had a lot of people talk about that, that they get messages from their mind of craft. Hey, we're right over here. Or, hey, everything's all right.
2: Well, you get, you get that now a lot of the time with the uh, CE5 communities. Right. You know They know, don't you? They, they suddenly have a, um, an image or, a, or thoughts in their head, look that way, and then they see the craft. So there is something in that, I would say. Yeah. It's like a connection, Uh,
1: and it's almost like the Invisible Woman from the Fantastic Four. Are you familiar with that comic? Yeah, yeah. And she can, like, shoot a, I don't know, like a force field bubble out that can protect not only her but, like, you over there. And it's like this cup string thing like you do from the uh, tree houses and shit. You know, you had a cup and a string, and you can talk to your buddy. But it's like this connection that establishes you between this you and the phenomena, whatever it is.
2: Well, I've got a friend who's, uh, you know – uh, he's like me, He's, you know, we were, we're considered to be twins, you know, not of the same family, but some people believe that we're twins, but we, you know, we have a lot of, we have had a lot of experiences together as adults, but, you know, they were, he was able to, um, as an example, he, I was being threatened once by a group of seven people, you know, not because of this stuff but just in general and he, he moved in for he moved in front of them and basically created a um an energetic bubble around them where they wasn't able to move they were basically para they were basically paralyzed but this dude did that yeah uh. he's a mylab
1: do you feel like you are
2: i am a mylab yeah I'm definitely 100% uh, military abductee as well, yeah. And, um, you know, and a lot what you find is alien abductees, not all of them, but most of them are, they do become mylans. That's the next step in their evolutionary process for this stuff.
1: Which makes it think that the aliens or whatever is contacting you, it either is aliens and they're in cahoots with the government, or it's not, it's the government posing as aliens and they're just doing this shit with the technology.
2: I think it's both. I don't. I think Back. you'll find that. I, I think you'll find it's you know the in the beginning in the earlier days. I would say it was the ETs. There. I think there's a lot more what we see in the sky now, which is ours rather than theirs. Um. And you know, and it's not. It's not a far. It's not. You know. It's not way off to say that because how many of us really know what the what the military have? You know uh, their technology. You we, we wouldn't would we? How many people can actually say that they really know what the military have behind closed doors? They can't say that, so it would be fair to say that. So people that are seeing specific craft in the sky would, you know, if if in especially in the UFO community, they would want it to be alien. But you can't really say that it is, can you? Because people, unless you're in the military or in, in black projects, and you're aware of what they're doing. You're not going to be able to say for sure if that's one or the other. You're just not. It's understandable people want that, but you have to look at it. I think from a you know from a different perspective. You got to keep it. You know you got to keep it real. And the government are definitely hundred percent involved with these type of activities. They do. You know they do create. Um, you know scenarios where they blame the ET. The, and, yes. they, and they and they do disclosures that's what disclosure
1: is about so they can fuck around and then blame the ET
2: yeah yeah they do do that but and but the thing is there are there are more ET races on the earth that don't like humans this goes back to the ancient times you know well, look Once at our
1: representation know, we haven't been given a fair shot with our leadership this sucks I mean
2: if I mean if that was the case if if there was you know there are a lot more you know and some people don't like me saying this but there are a lot more Um, negative ET types on the earth then there are good there are good though but let me emphasize there are good but they're not they're not as active here at the moment and the ones that are active here the government are messing with them
1: this is a silly place Michael what Mm. okay tell you what
2: that's the thing that annoys people (laughs)
1: Well, a lot annoys me, buddy. But there you go. Uh, okay, uh, how old were you when you had your daytime summer sighting, the Silver Disc? Four years old. Four fucking years old. I can't even remember when I was four years old. I was super into X Men. I know that. Um, what about uh, the <laughs> cool. second the second event? And then I want to talk to the Men in Black. Uh, that as a result had, of um, these.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, some of my earlier experiences were with the you know, what would be invisible? Um, you know, uh, my family thought would be uh, invisible children. You know, the, um, but but they they wasn't, they were adults. And they were later on in the 1990s, when I started to sort of research this more about these experiences I was having, you know, uh, I, I come to the realisation they were actually the Nordic type beings I was coming into contact with. So when I was about three and four years old um, and I was having experiences in the house with these particular type of beings, uh, you know, but my, as I said, my parents used to think I had invisible friends that were children. These weren't children. These were adults and these weren't normal adults. You know, I used to have interactions with them quite a lot. And then there was a breaking off point where then they seemed to disappear and then the greys come in these particular beings you know which i didn't know what they were called then like i i couldn't articulate what these were um as a child i just knew obviously i was having these experiences um and the experiences i had with these particular beings weren't good you know um but you know i i, I was speaking to someone recently and they they put a new sort of you know um And to play on, you know, people often ask me about the Nordics, do you think that they're benevolent and they're good? You know, my interactions with them seem to be good, but there was times where I was, again, paralyzed uh, or in an altered state of consciousness when I was having interactions with them. But then when I come out from this trance-like state, I was afraid, I was frightened, I was... um, I felt something wrong happened, something was wrong and, and I was running and every single time I had these experiences with these particular beings, there was this positiveness, but then there was this feeling of dread, something was wrong. And, and as a child, you know, you know, you, a child knows, don't know, they do know. And so when I was running away and telling my parents, I was telling my parents, you know, something's happened you know, I've I've seen something or, so they were used to me doing that. But, and again, you know, people ask me, what do you think, Michael? When do you think they were good or do you think they were bad? You know, and I'm, I'm on my, my thoughts on that are quite mixed. I can't say for sure to you, if I, if I was to tell you, yes, they were good and positive, I, I would be lying to you. If I was to say were they bad I, I i I really don't know, but somebody did say to me who was an abductee um, recently that they they actually refer to them as groomers who groom the children you know they come in first, they groom the children, they set you up for the next stage, which was then the abduction from the greys. so you know there's and that I, I've not heard that before, but I was thinking about it and it makes sense, doesn't it?
1: As you were talking about it, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that these Nordics pimped you out to some greys. Yeah. And that's, that sucks, dude. That really, really sucks.
2: So, so, so I don't know what what happened. I did have missing time when I was in the presence of these particular beings, but I don't know. I have no memory.
1: Yeah, some people can say that about priests in their community or Bill Cosby. So, yeah, I mean, it's not if it's got to hide and it's got to knock you out to do what it's doing. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't know about you. What what are your thoughts on that? If It's got to conceal its uh, intentions and even the whole interaction.
2: Well, you know, the thing, with you know, I I often get people, you know, say to me, you know, when I've done these interviews and that about the greys, you know, I seem to have a, a mixture of people from, you know, the new age communities who believe that the the greys are good and they're positive, you know, but, and somebody said to me, you know, chat Show host, that most of his guests are, a they have the positive experiences um, as abductions. Well, you know, when I had to point out um, what an abduction is, when you look at what an abduction is or a kidnapping, it's not a good experience, is it? You only I have to look. So. No, no, it's not because, you know, it, it's like, then. so if somebody I like to explain, you know, if somebody's coming into your house at night, they're breaking in your house, they put the parents to sleep, tie them up and they take one of your children, Jeez that's going to be a, a kidnapping, isn't it? It's an abduction, a kidnapping. Then they take them out. The parents are basically going like, you know, mad in their heads. What's happening to my child or children? They're then taken into a car. To an undisclosed location. What you're going to do is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Of course, it's it's not a good thing because the thing you're going to do is, and you're going to be frantic as a parent where that child's gone. What they're going to, what they're going to do to that child? Are you are you ever going to see that child again? This is the same thing. What happens with abduction for a child that's abducted? That's the same thing that happens. So anyone who says to me, you know, it's a positive experience, I would have to say, you're sorry. You don't know what you're talking about.
1: Well, to be fair, positive is subjective. So let's say that there are some people who like like getting their balls stepped on really hard, and they're really into <laughs> that, you know what I mean? So they're like, positive experience for five stars, but maybe you walk out of that place like bloody balls and be like, guys, what the fuck is going on here? This is horrible, right? So subjective subjective opinions are at play here. Just to recognize positive and negative are different and subjective is all we got to do here to to move on. But good call. Absolutely. It's hey. fucked up, dude.
2: It is, but, you know, it's not subjective, And no though, judgment it, on people
1: the... who like to get their balls stepped on, by the way, for the audience. I'm not judging anybody, but
2: please continue. It's not subjective, though, for a child. The child doesn't have a say in it. The child's not willingly going. They've, they've been taken. And, you know, for them, you know, even today as an adult, sometimes you think if you're an adult and you're having these experiences, are they going to bring me back? You know? You
1: think of the Travis Walton case, dude. who was gone for like five days. You know what I mean? it's it's crazy it's crazy and think of the people that don't come back like you said and what happens to them you know
2: well i got an idea what happens to them i would i would say that pretty much most of them go into military bases into the deep underground military bases and never come back
1: what are what's done to them down there just like what do you what have you heard what do you think is there are your guides even informing you of what the fucked up things happening to your fellow humans although they're not exposing that to you Does that make sense?
2: I would say, you know, most of the time that those that go into them, most of them do return, you know, but for the ones that don't return, I would say that they're, you know, they're used pretty much um, for harvesting, really. Um, You you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in those type of places that I think, you know, it's shot the hell out of most of the public if they really understood what happens below their feet.
1: What a chilling sentence, dude. Jesus Christ.
0: That's
1: <laughs> a, a, a true one. I know, one, but it's chilling as fuck. It was, it was great. Like, it's it's awesome. I mean, it just wow. It's just, Jesus, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's horrible. It's fucked up. You talk about, like, um, you know, the dumbs, deep underground military bases you're talking about with these hyper go going between them. And uh, Phil Schneider was talking about this in the 90s and allegedly had enough sure. strength and his disability uh, self to wrap his catheter around himself so tightly, unhumanly tightly for your own self to do and then kill himself because of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, a lot of weird shit going on, man. Men in black, what were your thoughts? Did you see him? Did they have eyebrows? What what was that what was that like?
2: This was um this was the MIB. Can I just tell you what happened before that? The MIB, yeah. um I again with my brother Sean. We were, again, it was summer holidays. We went into the school itself at this time to play, you know, if the school was empty, my dad was at the house with my mum having a bite to eat. Um, we went in there and we were playing uh, hide and seek. And um, I went to hide and Sean counted um, to 10. And then, you know, he, he stopped counting and I come out and he was again standing at the time in the school, there was like the school corridor, you know, this is in my book and it's, I've got images of it in the book, so, you know, to get, have a better understanding of the location and where we were. Um, and are you know, they're taken from the actual school itself. Um, and when, where, where we were standing, you've got two in, inside, you've got like a corridor and on the left, you've got the, um, the school library, it's a small library. And you got two doors in front, which were two two swing doors, you know. Um, and on the right end, on the right hand side, was the secretary's office. And Sean was standing there. He was looking through these two doors that led into the into the hall itself, where the you know the gymnasium equipment is. And there was a there was a piano there as well. And next to the piano, in in inside, you know, built into the wall, was the the cupboard, the PE cupboard. And, and he was looking and again, you know, he was asking me, you know, what is it? He was quite shocked by what he was seeing. And when I looked for the school doors where he was looking and again, you know, I, I, you know, we were only young and I was quite shocked to see something that I'd never seen before or that I don't remember seeing before, uh, which was, would be a, a tall grey just standing there staring at us looking at us as we were looking at it. And this this was like really tall. We were only small, but, you know, we were, it was taller than what would a, uh, a human adult would be. And, you know, it had a big head, it had big black eyes, it had long arms that literally reached down to past its kneecaps with the long fingers. And it was just standing there. And again, we had an altered state, uh, in a, an altered state of consciousness where we, you know, went into missing time. And then when we come out of this, um, this particular being had gone and, you know, we were just in a, we were just feeling like I was feeling frightened, afraid. I get away, got to get away, got to get away from this bit, get where we were. And, and and we ran from that location back to tell our dad. Or, and, you know, parents. And at that time, my dad had finished probably what he was doing. He was coming up back into the school and up the stairs. And he met us, you know, up the top of the staircase. And we it was Sean that told him that there was somebody in the school hall. um, And it wasn't human. And he was looking at us, you know, to see if we were just joking with him. You know, but he could see by our faces that we wasn't joking. We were like scared, you know. And so he went off to look. But I guess not for, you know, what we said, but for something human. And, you know, it was it probably after about 20 minutes he returned and, you know, he just told us to go back home. He hadn't found anything from what I understand. Eric, you know, he was looking for broken glass or um, doors broken or locks broken and there was nothing. So he knew something happened, but he didn't. I don't think he knew what it was. He just knew something unusual had happened, but you know, we were, we were saying things all the time. I don't know if Sean continued to have these experiences, but for me it went on
0: and it went on and it went on and it went on. Um, and you know, yeah, it never stopped. So for me, it just carried on
1: how how recent was your most recent contact
0: um probably about six months four five or six months ago but it's mostly
2: now it's the it's the military interference I get from from this
0: stuff it's just you know <sighs> What's going on now? What are you
1: experiencing with the military interference? Are you getting contacted by beings anymore? Is it strictly like helicopters and things like that?
0: It's just, it's just you know, um, uh, interference outside, you know, the body and
2: the nightmares and the, the flashbacks and the...
0: You know, you get headaches, I can't sleep, I can't turn the lie off. I have to have the lie on all night long. It's just... Yeah, it's just, it's just, it just goes on. You, you can't stop it. It's... Are you able to contact
1: any of the good aliens that say that they're here, even in small number? To try and get some help with this shit
0: sorry um don't be. yeah you know um
2: i don't it's it's just it's just hard that's all it's you know you have times when you don't have nothing and then you have times when you do
0: it's but it's um We're going to do an exercise together, Marco. you ready?
1: Just change my life, okay? We're going to take a deep breath. Give me a big one, man. What the fuck was that? Give me a deep breath. All right, shoulders back. Put your shoulders back. There you go. Take up space. Throw your arms out. Take up space. Let these motherfuckers know they have no power over you. Go ahead and say it.
2: You have no power over me.
1: Fucking none. They've made you feel... Powerless, but what you are is an empowered person that's been disempowered temporarily. And the bad part about it is, is that you booked time on my show. And we don't allow for that here. Shoulders back. <laughs> deep breath. Tell them to fuck off.
2: Ooh,
1: fuck off, you douchey archons. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Attaboy. Feel better? Yeah. Shoulders back. Take up space. Let them know that. Don't let them arch you over like that. Fuck that. Take up that fucking space. You arms out. You head up. You let them know. Anytime that mental parasite comes in and make you feel powerless, you just remember that it's not your thoughts, that it's got nothing to do with you, and that you are taking your power back in every moment. Every sure. present moment you were doing it. I'm so proud of you, dude. If you ever Thank want to talk about this more after this, you let me know, okay? How are you feeling on continuing? Do you want to talk about Men in Black? Do you want to talk about yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe what's yeah. going on in Antarctica and how weird that is? The shangri Laws was abandoned in the 60s. That was a bunch of dudes. We can talk about that.
2: I mean, I, I could say about the MIB, it wasn't much, but, you know, after we had this experience, there was a – I was in the house on my own. My parents were in the garage. They were actually laying the floor at the time of tiles. I remember they were grey and blue type tiles from the local DIY store, and Sean went out, and I was in the house alone. My brothers, Francis and Kevin, they were a lot older. They were out socialising. But at the time, I was in the house, and I was in the school – I was in the kitchen. I was actually – Doing a bit of washing up for my mum, <laughs> I was kneeling because I was still small to reach the the sink and the taps. I was remember kneeling on the um, on the chair to reach the taps. But in the adjacent room, I remember you know just maybe a little five or ten minutes after my parents left the house and I was there on my own. I remember from the you know from a peripheral vision seeing something moving in the room. Um, just there in front of me. Oh, sorry, on the side of me. And I knew there was no one in the house, you see. And I was uh, then I felt, you know, quite afraid. And I saw then this black figure, and he was just dressed, literally from head to toe, in a in a black suit, you know, black suit, white shirt, black tie. And you, you know, the most sinister part of that that I mean, is he had black glasses wrapped around his head, you know. And it's just literally weird and out of place, you know, where did this person, whatever it was, come from? And he was just staring at me. And at the time I was thinking, you know, my parents are in the garage and my brothers are out and the doors are locked and he wasn't there before. And he's not a ghost, he looked very solid. And then I was frozen at the time to the spot. I wasn't sure what, you know, if I could get up, what would he do? You know, at the door is just there, and I need to, you know, I need to get to it to get out into the garage. And um, so, when I looked again, he'd gone; he wasn't there. But did I was then? I was thinking, you know, did he walk out into the into the little hallway to the next where the staircase was to like go upstairs or to get out, or or did he just vanish? I wasn't sure, but at that time, I wasn't worried. About i just wanted to get out of the door and get away because i felt in danger i felt this particular whoever it was wanted to hurt me and i think it had something to do with what we see with this grey in the hall because it happened literally you know two days i guess after that and um so i i run to the door and i was trying to open it i was my hands were shaking my heart was Beating really fast. And I was looking over my shoulder to see if he was coming. He could come, you know, I didn't know if he was going to attack, what he was going to do. I just knew, I just knew he wasn't supposed to be there. You know, he shouldn't have been there. Whoever it was shouldn't have been there. And I did feel from him a a presence of, you know, uh, his intentions weren't good towards me. Um, and I did eventually get out the door and I run just outside to the garage door and I banged on the door. And then the door opened, you know, it was an up and over door. And the door opened slightly and my dad came out. And I told him, you know, that that dad, dad, you know, there's somebody in the house. And, you know, he went in the house. And it was only then that my brother Francis was coming back from wherever he'd been. And dad said that there's somebody in the house. And they went in and they looked, but there was nobody there. There was no doors um, unlocked. And the chain on the door and the bolts were still um, bolted, and the chain was still across. There was no windows broken, no windows opened. So again, you know, uh, it was again another experience that my dad and my mum, you know, were having these experiences all the time um, about you know these and and the thing is during the 1970s, especially in you know where I grew up, there was no uh, there was nothing that could influence this from me and Sean. You know, there was nothing in the media you know, back then, you know, we only had three channels on the TV. The TV was, we were only allowed to watch the TV when the parents were present. And also, you know, someone pointed out, you know, if it was anything to do with something influence you, why wasn't it Jesus or Mary? Because we were strict Roman Catholics. That was the only thing we were used to seeing. This type of, you know, um, these type of statues and these type of images. So, you know, but it was nothing like these type of greys or or the Nordics or um, or the Men in Black or these type of craft. There was nothing there that could influence what we were seeing, you know. So for anyone who was thinking that there was an influence, there was, there was nothing there that would influence anything like that. So we were seeing these and having these experiences, these interactions. Um, uh, but, you know, but why the... Um, and, you know, I did have, you know, experiences with the military were coming into this type of phenomena for me <laughs> you know what was that about you know and but, you know as a as a child you know and as a teenager you know i was, I was seeing these type of things as well and the, and the thing is they wasn't even british military they were us military how could you tell by the uniforms I'll share an experience with you to do with um, the square object. <laughs> this is an experience much later on in a different area, a different location. This just why I speak about in book two, you know, because one of the things I, I didn't understand at the time is that this phenomenon follows you.
1: <laughs> That's what they so, say. Yeah. And it looks like that in your so, case too. Yeah.
2: So, so wherever I went in my life, it followed me, you know, the, the abductions followed me. They not only followed me, they increased. Um, and the, and the military um, started to increase the, the activities with the military started to get more and more and more and more sinister. Um, and, but in this particular, with this particular experience, I remember waking up one day, this was in the um, 1990s and I, w- I woke up one day as normal. And I went into the, you know, the bathroom or to have a wash, you know, and standing at the wash hand basin, put the plug into the sink, filled it up with water. And I remember um, an object fell out of my mouth. Literally, you know, it wasn't there in the night before. (laughs) And it was just a little, like, you know, a little miniature, very, very tiny, perfect square object, metal object. And it, it just fell like my mouth. And, and I was thinking to myself, God, you know, what's that? And it fell into the water, otherwise, it had gone down the plug hole. There was no blood. And I didn't feel it in my mouth. And um, so, you know, I dried it off. And, uh, it, um, and I, lo- I had looked at it under a magnifying glass. And when I looked, it had symbols on it. And it also had little wires very tiny little wires inside of it. And so I didn't know what to do. And then I remember contacting the ufologist who lived locally. You know, he, he was quite well known. I think he's passed now. He's died, you know. But I went to his house. He invited me over and his office was up in one of his top bedrooms. And he had a much more powerful, you know, he asked me a little bit. I didn't tell him everything, but... You know, I told him about some of my experiences and that this had just fallen out of my mouth. And he said, it's fallen out of your mouth. I went, yeah. And he said, that's weird.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> and is so, weird,
2: man. And then he looked and he said, you're absolutely right. He said, there was wires sticking out of this thing. Like it's um, almost like an implant or something or, or a bugging device. And, and he said, it's got symbols on it. But, and he said, but what I'll do is, he said, I have a friend at the Ministry of Defence in uh, London and he said, he will take a look at it for, for me, and then he'll get back to me. So then, you know, I was a bit naive then, you know, <laughs> I'll do it now. But, um, and I gave it to him, and I remember he, after about four weeks passed, I didn't hear anything, and then I contacted him and said, have you heard anything? And he said he contacted the MOD, and he was told that this person had been moved and that the object was never returned.
1: Damn, um, and no pictures yeah. of the damn thing too, because it was like
2: no, before we had I know.
1: cameras everywhere.
2: Son of a bitch! No, no, not that I know of, but it's it's just weird though what what it was, I never knew, I never discovered what it was. Um, but it's just one of these things, you know. Again, in the line of successive, you know, experiences that are, that is sort of high strangeness.
1: I'm excited for you to now with your, you know, newfound sovereignty in this deal, just start calling bullshit on these things. Like take that thing and just keep it, you know, take a bunch of pictures of it, put it online, online and expose it. Tell these fucking things whenever they visit you in their dreams to fuck off. Like literally, like that's your new sentence when everything, anything comes to you. Fuck off.
2: Well, you know, I've had, I've had times when I've attacked them. when I've had the opportunity, um, but most of the time, yeah, most of the time when you, when they're there, you, you know, you're thinking it on you. You're thinking it, you know, that you want to, you, you know, in your head, I'm saying to him, I'm going to kill you. You know, I'm literally going to kill you. I'll take your life if he if can. Um, but a lot of the time you're, you're paralyzed. You know, you can't, you can't move, you know, and it's, it, it's different because, you know, when you start to experience things like, um, um, you know, when you're first doing out-of-body experiences, you may feel different sensations. You, you have lots of sounds that can be quite scary. It's to, it to do with your energetic body um, um, sort of um, gearing up to move away from your physical. Um, and sometimes you can hear sounds um, with your astral hearing, which is, you know, the next level outside of here. So you, you'll be able to hear really weird sounds. And at first they sound whoa, you know, like that, but you get used to them. And they you know, you, you have astral eyes, you, your vision is sharper, you'll see differently. But when you first begin to have these, not everyone, but most people do, when they first start to experience an out-of-body experience, they experience um, paralysis of the body. You're not able to move. Um, and most people panic when they have this, but the, the way to break it is to remain calm. When you remain calm, it's after a few seconds it'll vanish and and you'll you'll be able to um go outside of your body some people panic as well when they come back into the body because sometimes it, it takes a while to align back into the physical but it does it always does it, it never it you know and people worry that they won't come back but you you know you will come back
1: what about um, hopping in your body while you're out
2: that can happen it's very rare but it can happen i mean it's it it doesn't happen that often but it, it is something that can happen and uh, and often if you're i think the longer you're outside of your body the, the the more chance there is of that happening to you i mean i i went to um you know area 51 i worked for a military con i worked for a military contractor and in a you know long time ago and they're the, one of the biggest, largest, successful contractors in the world. They contract out to everyone. But the the Area 51 site is one of the – they supply the cameo dudes to Area 51 to the, to the uh, contractor I worked for at the time. Um, I didn't know that at the time. I <laughs> just found, I found out. Um, but when I had traveled outside my body once, you know, I was – I went into this base, Area 51, and I was – I was actually trapped inside a containment chamber, which is used for people like myself that travel outside the body to spy. And I've these, heard you can't
1: even get into it.
2: <laughs> no, or no, the, you, yeah, you, if
1: you go there, you get trapped. Damn.
2: There are there are motion sensors all over the base on the outer perimeters of the base, um, and you know, and the military are second to none. You know, they're the best of the best, really. You know, but but in regards to the technology, though, there are containment chambers. That can detect somebody outside of the body moving in, or even remote viewers. Um, they can be detected with this type of technology. This type of technology is based around the you know the grades, really, dead type of technology. But it, it's a security system. But what happens is the the containment chambers hold your astral, your astral body inside there. So your body's sleeping still. You know your body is still. Resting wherever it is. Um, and it is what, what will happen is, is that when, you're, when you go into these containment chambers, they're able to interrogate you, to ask you, you know, basically lots of different questions. Um, and they can torture you in those type of chambers, but they can also keep you there. If they keep you there indefinite, your body will die. Cause of death will be, you know, Accidental
1: now. I'm thinking that what possession may be is that people who get out of body? They get a book, right? They're like, oh my mom got me this book on astral travel and then they try (laughs) it They hop out of the body they get trapped in one of these containers and then used for whatever the fuck and then something else Hops into their body and ruins their life or just takes it for a ride Like do you think that that's possible that like uh, people are being auctioned off here? And that's what spirit possession and stuff's all about like anything anytime your body cannot be yours anymore.
2: I think there's a lot more to it Anyway, I think there's a lot more to it with the the, the demonic stuff. I've had in lots of encounters with demonic type energies again with the shadow people, you know, and the um, you know, the incubus. You know, I've had um, sexual attacks as a teenager. What would, would be bordered upon rape, really? Um, and uh, you know, which. I know that's going to be difficult when I write about that because it's, it caused me a lot of trauma, those particular attacks when I was a, a teenager. Um, because, and also it's the, the methodology of, of how they approach you. You know, they've got this sinister way of how they approach you because it's, again, it's the fear. They feel that fear, Yeah. you know, and, and they're getting off on it and they know you can't move. And then they know whatever they're doing, you're going to be literally terrified you know. Um and they feed off of that. I mean what do you really want to do.
1: <laughs> so what's um I mean this is just such a wild, wild thing to contemplate, man. And it brings up so many more questions and answers, as always, my friend, which is how these things go. Um, wanted to before before we close it out here for this one, and you will be invited back, man. Um, wanted to just Give us some hope, you know, give us some glimmer of hope out there, uh, for the folks out there who may be experiencing something similar or who have just heard your story and are just, who are like, Oh my God, bro, what the fuck? Just, uh, give us, give us something, uh, hopeful to go out on here, Michael.
2: Well, you know, as I said, you know, I think going forward, I do, I do have higher hopes, uh, you know, everything will get better, you know, um, and again, you know, I'm available if anyone wants to speak about it. You know, to share experiences and, you know, <laughs> maybe tell them to fuck off.
1: <laughs> fuck off! Tell them fuck right you know, off. You have no access to me. Know. That's all it is. But,
2: but you know, I, I think I think going forward, I think that we have as a as a species, even you know, I think there is a lot of positivity, a lot of positive things out there. But as I said, there's a lot. There are positive races out there and I think we will see much more of these coming closer to you know the next you know um, past the next decade you know I think there's going to be a lot more interactions open interactions with these positive beings that there is something involved in regards to you know this false alien attack you know scenario with the military I think what you find is that those those they want to, they want the public to believe that those that are, you know, w- would attack us are negative, when in actual fact they're going to be the positive ones. But they want to, they want the public on their side. Um, you know, the negative ones are already here, but I think the next stage is you're going to see a lot more of the positive. I know there are, there's a lot more um, on the outside of the Earth here now. There are a lot of craft. Um, that are here for the good. you know they're, they're just different races that have been involved in this world a long time and when you look back in the ancient past these particular races have always done good.
1: It's a wild place it gets more interesting by the moment and especially by the conversation. So speaking of good, Michael Cameron, thank you so much dude for all your work for all thank your you. sharing your book high strangeness a lifetime of alien and paranormal encounters which is continuing um but not much more i want to hear about the uh, your fuck off strategy how that goes for you um also uh, his book is facebook and all the ways to find him your email will be located below so people can reach right out to you sure michael thank you so much dude this has been outstanding we wish you well bro. thank you
2: yeah thank you it's a pleasure being here